welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 118. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, filling in for my normal co-host, John White, at BJourneyman. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Last week, we had part one of our interview with Kate Imshoff of Innovatus Group. She talked about her interest in international affairs, how she was an outlier at certain companies, but she actually made that work really well. And some very subtle differences for women when it comes to job interviews, conference calls, and being a mother of small children. So this week, we're going to go deeper, much deeper. We're going to peel back the onion and answer the question, is it okay for a mother of small children or a mother in general to have that career ambition, to want something for themselves that's just for them? Kate's going to provide some really good advice for moms who want a career, and a support network is part of that. She's going to talk about how to look for new companies, things that you might need to look for or watch out for. And then we're also going to talk about the tech industry because Kate is actually pretty new to the tech industry. So what does she think about it? What does she want from that experience? And what are some ways that we can get involved in supporting women in tech? So here we go with part two and the conclusion of our interview with Kate and Shaw. your husband's take on your desire for something different despite having small children at the time did he offer a different perspective than maybe what you were hearing from some of your female friends yeah and I think I still think this is kind of interesting because my husband's mom never really had a career and you know really just focused on staying home with the kids and focused on just that role and he has always been so supportive of me pursuing my career. And, you know, he laughs even now that he's going to retire early when I'm CEO of some company and, you know, that that's kind of our path. But there's definitely days and times where I'm like, what am I doing? This is too much. You know, your kids are only small ones. What am I doing? And he'll just look at me and be like, you would lose your mind. Like there is no way. And it's true. I mean, I know I would be resentful of him and his career. I wouldn't be able to handle it. And so I think, you know, because he knows me and the person that I am, and I'm not just a woman that has small children, I'm Kate and all the things that make me up. Um, And he knows that I don't think he would want to be married to me if I wasn't. (laughs) in a career that I liked and things that I was interested in learning. Cause it would probably be, the, I'd probably be the most annoying person to be around. Cause can you imagine he'd have to f- fulfill so much more than what he has to now? It's one of those things where you have this need and it needs to be met with something. And if it's not, then you just feel off. I think 
another really cool experience with him was he was telling me about something that he was going after a little aggressively at work. I can't remember if it was like a promotion or some new something that he was being rather aggressive towards. And one of his coworkers was like, aren't you nervous to do that? Like, aren't you afraid to put yourself out there like that? And he was like, you know what? My wife has a great job and we'd be okay. And so I was, I don't think he realized, but to me that just made me so happy that I was able to give him that freedom, you know, that I never realized that that was a gift and I'm, I'm sure alleviates some pressure and gives you, gives him more opportunity to pursue the things that he wants to do because it's not just up to him. hundred percent. You know, I can tell you as a, a husband of a, a wife who doesn't really work outside the home now, taking risks is, is something that becomes riskier. Sure. Because you're not the only one that's bringing in the bringing home the bacon. So yeah. Not that, not that she couldn't get a job in a second. Right. But it's just, you, you think about it a little bit more. So that's great that you're able to provide him that, that opportunity. And without knowing it, he definitely advocated for you and supported you. So that's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Now, let me ask a question. You mentioned that some people had reacted before, oh, I could never do that kind of travel and have small children what does that do like does that offend a a mother of young children if you say that like am I offending someone by saying that on a call yeah it's like taking a bullet and you know my son my youngest son had gone to Italy and Paris before he was six months old and you know when they were little, I could take them with me and, or bring my husband, but then there were more of them and it was just too complicated. And I'm not going to lie. It was gut wrenching to, it is definitely harder to leave and go to a different continent where if something happened, I couldn't just be home. So, you know, if I was going to Florida or Texas and I could be home in two and a half hours is very different than, you know, going to Vienna or Sao Paulo and, you know, investigating, do you need security escorts? And like, what am I doing? This is kind of crazy. But then, you know, every time when I got there, it gives you such perspective of who you are. And I don't know, just made, always made me feel like so appreciative of my country and where I'm from. And also, made me feel small and just a piece of this great big earth. And I don't know, every single time I just, I loved being able to give my kids that perspective. And, you know, now my son in his kindergarten, they're learning about a different country every month. And this month is Italy and he's bringing in pictures of him standing in front of the Coliseum. And I think that's really cool, you know, that he got to have those experiences. So I don't know. But there's, I get, I get it. Like leaving your babies. There was one time I, my boss got sick and I had to go to Vienna with less than 24 hours notice. I was 12 weeks pregnant. I threw up the whole way and it seemed totally crazy at the time, but it was an awesome experience. Again, I got to learn so much. There's, you know, so much that you get to learn from just 
really being involved in a different culture. Um, obviously, like for that specific trip, I love Austria and was more comfortable there. But, but yeah, I just it got a lot of feedback. How could you do that? That is crazy. Um, am I crazy? Is there something wrong with me? You know, it makes you question it for sure. Yeah, and based on all the things you said about certain adjustments you needed to make in the interview process, you you were probably already questioning a little bit to begin with. We don't want to increase that pressure on people Yeah. Uh, in any way. Do you feel like traveling like that and being a mom makes you appreciate and be present more intently when you're home rather than if you were there all the time? I've heard that that is true but you know I don't really know any other experience I don't know if it is true I certainly you know am not a perfect mother I am not always hands-on I still catch myself scrolling through my phone sometimes when I'm with my kids and I want to be more present so I mean it still happens but maybe it happens less because you know I don't I'm not with them all the time and don't take it I don't know I don't I'm not I'm not ready to say that it makes that that happens. I think it works for us. I, I'm not a great player. I don't, I love my kids and I like to take care of them, but I'm not like great at playing all the time. And, um, so I love that right now they're with people that they get to play with all the time and they are great players. My children have awesome imaginations and I'm so glad that they get to pursue that. And I don't have to have to be a part of it because I don't really want to be. I personally see mother as a part of me, but it's not me. And that is something that I do. I think I, my mom did always work. So, you know, maybe that's a part of it. What makes it feel more natural for me? I'm not sure. Um, We still have a great relationship and consider her a huge part of my life. So um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good point. Being a mother is one part of the many parts of being a woman who lives in our society, I think is what you're saying. It's, and that shouldn't be something that other people use to define your capabilities and limitations. Yeah. Yep. In any situation. I don't. And the other thing I thought was interesting was when I was doing all this international travel, um, my boss at the time didn't have children either, and she was a woman. And she gave me a bit of a hard time because we were both ambitious people. And, you know, what? You're really going to take 12 weeks? Like, I can't believe that. And then after she had her first baby, it was like, I'm so sorry. What was I thinking? And, you know, and to be honest, it really was really helpful that we were both kind of navigating this new motherhood together and could support each other going on these adventures and trips because it was a lot of work to like get everything organized to leave the country for a week with infants and make sure everything's like totally lined up. I'm grateful that there was some other people with me that were doing the same thing that helped me feel like it was more normal and it was okay that I was doing this because Outside of that, they're really none of my friends, no one I knew would doing anything like that. And I've even heard, I've heard neighbors and friends say, you know, now is not the time for me to travel. I will do that when my children are grown. But that 
that's not something we should be doing right now. To your point about the the taking maternity leave, we had a previous guest on a couple episodes ago, Caitlin Bryan, and she talked about how she had she had qualms with taking the whole time, but she was kind of forced into doing it because she had um, she had her baby before she thought she was going to a little bit premature, and so she was forced into it and ended up taking quite the long long haul off because of that and her encouragement to other women out there was if you don't take the time when you have it and you only do part of it you'll you'll never take the rest of it it's never going to get worked in yeah yeah i didn't i remember at the time feeling like this seems kind of crazy but i just i guess trusted what other women told me was going to happen and so i was like yeah i'll just i'll just plan on that so and then actually it was it was interesting. I totally forgot about this till now, but there was this documentary being filmed called Zero Weeks and it was about how the US and I think it's like Papua New Guinea are the only two places that don't offer any paid maternity leave. And so that's wow. where like, you know, zero weeks and at the time my my boss and one of um, my team members were pregnant. So all three of us were pregnant together. And I had interviewed with the producer of this and they were going to come film me at the office. It never happened, but I totally forgot about that till now. But yeah, it was kind of, it is kind of crazy. I wonder if that ever got filmed. I don't know. I hadn't heard of that one. I have to do some research, put it in the show notes if I can find it. (laughs) What would be your advice for the working moms out there that have ambitious career goals like yourself but might be hesitant to set those? I think that has been such an important thing is to just trust yourself, listen to your gut and what is telling you is the right thing and what is normal or okay or the rules somebody else has made for themselves are not the same rules that apply to you. You don't have to let your foot off the gas. I I hate to say like you can have it all, but you can if you have the right, if you find the right company. I mean, there's definitely going to be places that aren't supportive of that. Um, So you have to, you know, I think it's important to look at, you know, turnover and how often people are leaving organizations and how many women are in leadership roles for the organization. That's always been hugely important. And just pay attention to those things. And then obviously, you know, I personally really feel like it does take a village, have a strong network of people to help support you. But it it is a little lonely out there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't um, say that there's a ton of like-minded women that I've found that really want yeah. to pursue their career when they're, they have small children. Sounds like we just heard some really good questions to ask potential employers <laughs> about, what they, about what they support, what they have. It's tricky. I think, I don't know that I'd feel comfortable in an interview process being like, well, you know, how do you treat women or what's your maternity leave plan? You know what I mean? Like, that would be, okay, this person's going to be a problem. She's going to be investigating everything. I don't know. But there's a lot you right. can, there's subtleties. I mean, like I've heard before, um, if somebody sends you a follow-up email or tries to schedule an interview at like 8 o'clock at night, that shows you what the kind of work-life balance it's going to provide. 
pay attention when they talk about their day in an interview and what they did. And if they say, well, I was working last night, you can you can pick up on subtleties. And then, you know, when they talk about their bosses and listen for names and make sure that, you know, someone you're talking to or that someone at least alludes to a woman in leadership, I, I personally, that's very important. Yeah, all good things. Like you said, you could do some research on the company probably, and you can find out the subtleties in the interview process, maybe without asking the questions. And hopefully, I mean, you would hope that companies would have some of the benefits on their website or mm-hmm. or that you could ask at least the HR screener recruiter. I would think that that might be, uh, we'll call it maybe less threatening than asking the manager. Yeah. I mean, I think once you have an offer, the conversation can change a little bit, right? That's where you can ask kind of those HR questions. It was interesting. I asked somebody once if they had an HR department that was more of a startup. And they said, well, why did you ask that question? And I was like, well, I've worked in other environments before that didn't have a formal HR department and it really, you know, it's just recruitment. And I really noticed a difference that that didn't exist. And okay, well, let me talk you through an example. If there was a sexual harassment case and I just panicked, like, why is that the example? I'm not talking about sexual harassment at all. I'm literally talking about like someone that I can go to if I have questions on benefits, like, why are you using that example? And then, oh no, now they think that I'm that kind of person. I'm not going to get this job because they think I'm the woman that's going to say, oh, someone's sexually harassing me because they, because I asked if they have an HR department. I'll never ask again if they have an HR department. The panic that that brought on. Wow. Maybe the why did you ask that question is, we don't have it. Yeah. And we don't want you to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to navigate how to ask those questions. And I think there we all have had experiences that give you, I don't know, pause on asking those things. And it's, it is tricky in the interview process to try to uncover that, like what that culture really like. Yeah. Well, and I think if it's someone you don't know well, there's this perception of what will they think of me if I ask this question? Just like you said, they're trying to figure out the intent behind the question and you know, are you a flight risk or are you a a risk of some sort of liability? Yeah. So I think a way, an approach when you're looking for a new job, when I got the role that I'm in now, I, um, I definitely did like the tra- tra- traditional submit my resume and, you know, interview, but I did network with some people and I had prioritized the things that I wanted. And I said, I was looking for an organization of interesting thinkers where I often felt like the dumbest person in the room and that had a high level of integrity. And those were the things that were the most important to me. And I didn't care what field it was in. It didn't necessarily have to be similar to things that I'd done in the past. I've made big pivots. I use the word again <laughs> in my career to different no types judgment of career here. paths. Okay. <laughs> and so I was really open. I genuinely meant that that was the most important thing. And so I was talking with a consultant in the field and they were like, I think I know some people you should talk to. And that's really how I ended up where I am today. It sounds like you really did some reflection on what was truly important in a career before putting feelers out there. 
And that's not something that someone can come up with the night before they start job hunting. Mm-hmm. Were you were you mentally making that list over time? How did you come to land on those, if you don't mind, in terms of what process you went through? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good question. I think I just, I reflected on the experiences that I liked most. And so, not to change the subject, but like another thing that I realized when I was getting a little bored in my role and had been there longer than I had planned on being, okay, well, I'm not really learning a lot in my current job. So what can I lean into and learn? And like I described, there was a lot of training available and I had felt like I had been thrown into management without a lot of experience. And so I really leaned into that and like, taking as many courses as I could and participating in everything that I could and coaching and mentoring. And we did a tons of different like personality training and leadership training. And there really is like a ton of tools and things that I learned. And I think part of those experiences and really just focusing in on what I loved about coaching and mentoring others and what I was looking for, you know, I've heard the point that I'm at in my career, the most important thing is to have a really strong mentor or a really strong boss. This is like a critical point. And so I knew that that was going to be really important to me. And then I just reflected on those experiences is like, wow, that sounds really interesting. Or, you know, there were times I loved that feeling. Like I love to surround myself with people that I think are smarter than me. It's just something that makes me feel really happy. I love feeling like I'm growing and learning all the time. And it doesn't make me feel insecure. It makes me feel more comfortable, which sounds kind of weird, but I knew that that's what I wanted. Good for you. I think a lot of people would be uber intimidated by being perceived as always around people smarter than them. Well, so I got to have a good like- attitude to have. One or two things that maybe I'm a little smarter <laughs> or better at. Yeah, than yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, no, I'm I, kidding. I wasn't intuiting that you didn't have a contribution. I just no, no, I know. I'm, I'm just don't want to say that I'm like that strong of a person that I could say I don't want to be know anything. But, but yeah, no, I think you know that's a great philosophy for hiring. Always hire to your weakness areas where you feel like you don't your it is not your strongest get people that are better than you that can tell that you can learn from I mean it doesn't have to just you can learn from people that are on your team I learn from people on my team every single day so and that makes me happy and since you have a team now I assume that means you've done some of the interviewing for that for roles on the team right Mm -hmm. yeah so now that you have been through all these processes and seen what can go wrong in in the interview process, when you're interviewing another woman, how does your approach change a little bit? I'm careful not to ask any of those questions that may make her feel uncomfortable. I also really celebrate when women try to negotiate their salary. I, that's true for anyone. I get annoyed when somebody doesn't try to negotiate their salary. Like, come on. What is, you got to give it a a little bit of effort. I think that speaks volumes. You know, I think it's interesting, the approach. It makes me really excited when I hear 
women justifying why they deserve more. I think that's really hard typically for women to do that. And then it's not even just in the hiring process. Like when I did some of the people on my team's um, performance reviews, there was a lot of, I feel I've accomplished. I think I accomplished a ton of, I feel like I did X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, you did do X, Y, Z. You did accomplish all of this. You don't have to say, I think I feel you did it. I think there's a role to play again in like mentoring and coaching on those types of things. And I know it's not specific to their job functions, but I do think it makes everybody a stronger, more confident team member. And that's good for everyone. Right. And, and is part of the, the language used there, I think I feel so that no one will argue with you and you don't have to justify it. Maybe. Like is, is that I don't know. just sort of a like a defense mechanism? I want to make sure nobody argues with this, so I'll say I think or I feel. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know the psychology behind it. I know it's definitely like a thing, especially for women to do that. And these like are pretty like awesome, strong people I'm talking about. It was shocking to see it as much as I have. Just being a little too humble. Mm-hmm. It's funny because we... I just did an interview uh, not that long ago uh, with Brad Christian, and he was talking about how technical people are oftentimes too humble about their accomplishments, and that if you can document your accomplishments well, that then you can help your boss get you promoted. Like you said, and in, in your case, especially if they did accomplish those things, and you know it, that helps you. That helps you go and fight for more compensation for that person or that next title. Totally all those things. Totally. Are there some good strategies for example for managing up for like a male boss that you might have? To I think help them to, see the blind spots. I think it is feeling like having a good strong relationship and feeling confident that you can be open. Like even like how I just described what I did with my husband of like mm-hmm. I know that you're not intentionally talking over women on the call but just pay attention to this. And I think that that's really helpful. And I don't think can say like, luckily, I don't think I've ever worked with a man that didn't want all of those things, right? And want to be more inclusive and helpful. So as long as that core value is there, it makes it all a lot easier. If I ever worked with someone that I didn't feel like had that key element, I would not be staying there. <laughs> that would be pretty, um, if they didn't, you know, want to try. There have been people I've met in my life that have said, that's not real. That's not a problem. This isn't something that needs to be addressed. I wouldn't be able to stay there. Yeah, totally understand. Is this issue worse, you think, because you're now floating into the tech industry, which is many times dominated by men? Interestingly enough, you know, where I came from working with radiologists, that is like the tech industry of medicine, right? They're all the tech geeks. Uh, okay. um, it is very male-dominated as well. VMUG specifically has just launched a diversity and inclusion um, advisory council. And, you know, we're being very intentional that this is not lip service, that this is something that we're actually going to do something with. And there's a lot of, you know, work that needs to be done to make sure that we're understanding where we're at now and where we want to go. So we're in early stages. But... um you know, I think that dedication and hearing how much everybody wants to address, I mean, 94% of our membership is male. 
And that's something that we need to work on. But we have three female board members. I think that that's great. And, you know, representation really does matter. And, you know, this goes beyond gender. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And so, you know, there's so much research that just shows having diverse perspectives, how much that helps an organization thrive and can really um, make such a huge difference. There's reasons to do it other than just to say we've checked that box, right? A lot of really meaningful reasons. So I don't want to say like alarming. It's uncomfortable at times where to be the only woman on a big call. You know, I do a lot of our financial management and, you know, describing where we're at as an organization. And right now it's always with all men and we're have a woman that's going to be involved in our committee. And I'm really excited to work with her because I just feel like sometimes these are difficult, challenging conversations. And I just, I'm, I just think it will make it a little bit easier and I can't really explain why. No, I think I understand. Uh, I remember, I remember my daughter telling me, cause we found out she has dyslexia and she gets to go to a, a special class each day, you know, in addition to the others to focus on learning phonetics and, and things like that. And she told me when she first started that she really liked it because there were other people like her that she felt understood her better than just being in a regular class because they had this challenge too. So maybe that has something to do yeah. with it. That there's someone like me and that makes me more comfortable. It doesn't make me feel outnumbered and maybe it lessens the blind spots of other people. Sure. Yeah. I think that that's a good perspective. Um, or I hope it does. Yeah. I would think so. I don't know. I can let you know. <laughs> yeah. You have to follow up and, and let me know for sure. To be To be honest, I think... I had never really worked closely. I'm trying to think, oh, I guess that's not true. Most of the leadership from a volunteer perspective when I was with RSNA was was men, all men, I think, except for one woman. I don't know. This will be kind of new for me, but I'm excited. Now, have you had any, have you had any direct reports that are men? Mm-hmm. And is that, how's that relationship? Are there strange dynamics to that part because we talked about the other way i'm curious about the woman as the manager and the man as the individual contributor if you don't mind i think it's important to definitely have both perspectives i think it's you know when i've worked with teams of all women and it can get i don't know i think it's important to have a mix of gender if you can i think that helps for all the reasons we were just discussing and the value of diversity. But I remember like uh, someone on my team, his wife was having a baby and we threw him a baby shower. And, you know, like there are some things that I don't know, maybe are not typical or something like that. If you didn't have a female boss, maybe they wouldn't have thought to throw you as the man, a baby shower. Maybe there was things that were uncomfortable for them. I don't know. I feel like I'm not answering this question very well. No, it's okay because I totally pulled that out of my hat and I thought of it in the, in the moment. So you're you're good. I'm not sure about that one. Oh, uh, in the in the sphere of VMUG, you mentioned that there aren't that many women who are members. Are the ones who are members pretty active? Do they are they willing to give a talk to a user group? Any ideas on that? I would say definitely welcome more. 
for sure. But yeah, you could argue like if you look at the ratio, like because we are always trying to look at diverse representation and where we can and have more different voices participating in programs and events. If you, if, you know, we have 94% male membership and we have 40% of our user con program is women, then yeah, you could definitely make that connection. I don't think that that number's accurate for the record, that 40% of the, the user con program is women, but I'm just saying, um, I think that that is true. I'm not willing to say that that's 100% validated, but we definitely, you know, some of the discussions been around even just from a student perspective of getting more women interested in the IT field in general, that, you know, that is um, something that needs to be tackled. And I think there's maybe a little bit like whose responsibility is that, right? Is that really the VMware user group's responsibility? And no, not by ourselves, but we can play a part. We can help. We can do something about that. And so together, um, I think this would be a great opportunity for organizations to partner. This isn't a competitive issue. This is an issue that needs to be addressed together. I think there's some interesting opportunities there. Sure. And I think it's everybody's job in whatever field they're in to help attract talent to that field from all possible walks of life. And that's... That's something we should all maybe be more intentional about as we as we are around younger folks who are trying to figure out what they want to mm-hmm. do. Like, you know, I certainly want to make sure that I encourage my daughter to go for what she really has an interest in. Definitely. Forget all this other stuff, whether people think you can or can't or this misperception. Just what interests you and let's figure out how to get you plugged into the right support network to get you where you want to go. Yeah. Definitely. And I would say also point out other women that are doing it because I think for me, that was something that was missing. Like the women that were around me or women on TV shows, like they weren't, they weren't in tech. They weren't in science. That was something that was pretty rare. So those examples matter. And if a company out there says that they do diversity inclusion, but you just don't see that happening or you ask about it and you don't really get an answer maybe that's a sign that they're not doing it for the right reasons or they haven't been able to execute it on it well yeah and you know not every organization i can go and hire someone specifically just to work on that so i wouldn't say you know don't discount an organization because of that but you can i feel like you can tell pretty quickly if this is something that an organization's dedicated to versus something they know they should be dedicated to. I know you mentioned some of the ways to promote finding new talent through VMUG. Are there other ways that that you know of that people can get involved that support uh, finding better female talent in tech? Well, I know there's, you know, definitely organizations that are dedicated specifically to that. I know, you know, like the Girls That Code is one that comes to mind, and there's a few others the Dwen group, the uh, Dell Women Entrepreneurs Network, I think, um, is another group that we've worked with. So, yeah, there's a lot of organizations that are doing really interesting, awesome things. I think the future is so bright, and it's really exciting. I think we've come a really long way. There's a long road ahead, but I think, like we just coming full circle, I really think it sounds so simple, but just these open conversations about 
oh my gosh, that's something that you think about. That's something that you worry about. Let me be more careful when I talk about that. Let me let me ask you more questions about that. That can make an, a profound impact if we can somehow make everybody feel more comfortable to just start talking to each other. But, you know, that's also the way to achieve world peace in my opinion. So <laughs> maybe overly ambitious. Well, it's ambitious, but it's great. I think the problem is that it takes time in relationship development with somebody to be able to do that. You know, like you said earlier, it's hard to express that to someone you just met or don't know really well. It's a little bit of a comfort thing. But yeah, I completely agree with you. If we if we make it okay to talk about things like that, then we'll be doing a lot better than we are. Yep. Well, listen, this has been an awesome conversation, Kate, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having me. No problem. I just do you have any other parting thoughts, other career advice that you might give listeners out there, whether it's on getting into marketing, getting into the tech industry, being an ally of women in tech, any of those things? I think the fundamental thing, it touches so much of what we talked about, but is to follow what you're truly interested in or, and it doesn't have to be like, I think there's some, so much pressure people put on themselves. Like, let me find my passion. That's not what I mean when I say what you're interested in. What is making you curious? What's making you ask more questions and wonder a little bit? That is where you should go. And I think sometimes there are reasons why you don't head that direction. There's no representation of someone like you there. Well, then that to me is all the more reason you should go there. You can go stand out. You can be that outlier. You can, you know, achieve so much more. So yeah, just wonder, be curious, ask questions. And if you're asking a lot of questions about one specific thing, there may be a reason why. I like that. I like that a lot. Good, good stuff. Now, is it okay if people connect with you on LinkedIn, Twitter, if they ha if they want to follow up on some of these conversations, Kate? Would that be all right? Yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn's probably the best place to find me. I know a much of the Vima communities on Twitter, but I'm not as active there. Well, what I'll do is I'll make sure and put all that in the show notes. And again, we thank you so much for being on Nerd Journey. And maybe one of these days we'll follow up and, and have another great conversation. If you're a mother out there listening to this and you have career ambition, we salute you. And we want you to know, just like Kate said, it's okay that you want a career. And it's okay that it's something you value and something you want just for yourself. My hope for you is that the people in your support network, whether it's spouse, significant other, extended family, community, can support you on that journey. I really enjoyed hearing about what Kate found important when joining a new organization, specific things that she wanted about the type of people she would work with and the type of organization that it would be. I hope for you, listener, that you've taken some time to think about this 
And I would encourage you to think about it while you're happy with your job. What are the things that you really like about the place you work? Keep those in mind. Write them down from time to time. And then when it's time to join a new organization, hopefully you have those lined out. And maybe you'll have even listed some things that are missing from the organization you're at today, which of course would cause the change. I really liked what Kate said about learning from the people she hires and that you should hire to your weakness. You know, a lot of the managers on our, on our show have mentioned that they really enjoy learning from their people, even though they're trying to teach their people and coach them along at the same time. It's great that managers are open to learning from others, and we should all be open to learning from the people we work with. I really enjoyed hearing that VMUG has a diversity and inclusion advisory council. I know a lot of companies are developing diversity and inclusion initiatives. We want to be mindful of those in ways that we can support things like Girls Who Code and the other organization Kate mentioned. You know, whether it's women in tech, racial diversity, neurodiversity, many other ways we can support those initiatives. And I think that each of us has a position of talent scout in our field of work. And we should always be on the lookout for talents in whoever we meet that might be looking for a new career and in younger people who are just getting started in their career. I liked what Kate said about go after what's making you curious instead of chasing your passion. What are you asking the most questions about? Maybe that should lead you to what needs to be next in your career. You know what I'm curious about? I'm really curious about what's going to happen on Nerd Journey next week. But until then, I'm not telling. Just a reminder again that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore, flying solo for now. From my buddy John White at V Journeyman, signing off. Journey.